Welcome to No Hope, the podcast. Now with Six Gun Sally. Hello, No Hope, the podcast listeners. We're back. I am Tim Miller. I am Scott Schneider. And we have returned to illuminate to you. To entertain you. To entertain Let you. Let us entertain you. Let us. Uh, that's a little quote of your favorite. Fascinate you. Your favorite musical, Tim. The afore. Wait, what is the, that? The aforementioned what? gypsy. Let me entertain you. Yeah. Oh, I, for some reason I was thinking of that Robbie Williams song, oh. which is also called "Let Me Entertain You," which is much superior to anything from Gypsy. I mean, I'm here. I'm um, here for Robbie Williams, so I'll agree with that. We have a very special guest with us uh, today. Don Magyar Ooh. will be joining us in just a few minutes. We have known Don for well, I've known Don for. I got like more than two decades and we have worked with Don uh, many, many times over the years, much to our, again, like shock that um, someone with, <laughs> with so much professional experience and talent has chosen on more than one occasion yeah. to spend it's time the, with us the, and our project. It's the more than one occasion aspect. You know, you can usually con, it, con somebody <laughs> in the first time, but it's the repeat customers. It's exactly. like, oh, no, they know what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah, and they still, I mean, you know, maybe it's just like the watching a, a, a car accident sort of fascination. Um, but it, speaking of, oh, oh my God, that's, that's a, good, a great transition. That's a good segue. <laughs> So you were just in yes. Provincetown yeah. and were telling me moments before we began recording that you took a serious spill, Susie, a bicycle. Yeah, I was Susie Spills. Like, um, yeah, I just, I called Tim right before this, like full disclosure, I'm a bit of a hot mess. Um, yeah, no, I had a lovely week in P-Town. Um, and then, you know, Murphy's Law, like I had rented bikes, was biking all over town, like the back roads, the bike, you know, the bike paths, which are crazy there because they're in the dunes and huge hills and everything. And I was like, I'm going to take the bike out for one last little putter through town. And then um, I was going through some like back neighborhood and flying down a hill. And uh, at the bottom, like hit a like it was either a speed bump that was unmarked because that's smart or like they had patched the road. But yeah, I was basically like, wee. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was flying over the handlebars and like smashed into the pavement. And let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, 41 year old bodies were not meant to sustain those sort of falls. So, so anyway, actually, I don't know if you can see it, but I have a, um, I have a, a wine thing around my hand right now, like a wine koozie, because it's like I've been experimenting with different ice packets. So, so this came, this is coming. Do you in have? Handy. Do you have any like notable bruising? Are you able? It's weird, to... actually. The bruise, like I hit like my th right thigh and then my right forearm, is which is pretty meaty. Meaty. I was like, thank God for these thunder thighs, because like the my right thigh took the brunt of it. I feel like my right arm is like a little more busted up. Like that may take like a while, but um, but yeah, there was a there was a woman walk walking with a baby carriage that I had just passed, so she witnessed the whole thing and was like horrified and then like somebody in a golf cart came like flying up and was like do you need ice and of course like 
you know, human nature in those situations. Like, it's like, I might have had a bone sticking out of my body and you're just like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> like, cause it's so embarrassing. I know, isn't it weird? It's, so weird. it's just, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. do not want to, to be vulnerable or, or, or. Uh, no. show that you need any God forbid, ever. Like, I mean, I think that's it. But I think some of that is a real New Yorker sort totally, of instinct. Totally, too, totally, you know? totally. Um, but I was kind of like, actually, I didn't think about it until right now, but it was very, it's a very like calendar year 2020 sort of like situation. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, it's maybe like that meme on social media, like uh, my plans, <laughs> It's like me smiling, like yes, riding down yes. the hill. And then it's like reality, like flying over the uh, top of the handlebars. Um, anyway, I actually like am very entertained by falls. So um, at the moment, I'm still like in slight shock. But um, I for sure wish it was videoed. Like I would find it funny. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure Chris, at least after the fact, had to have chuckled a little um, bit. We're not quite there yet. But yes, we're, 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 <laughs> we're getting there. I was like, once I have full use of my limbs, I think I'll find it funnier. Um, well, now that you okay. know about all of my travails, um, which are still so minor compared to so many others, l- let me yes, just yes, say obviously. that. Um yeah, what 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 do, what do we want to what do we want to talk about? Do we have rewinds? Do you want to do some rewinds? We have rewind. Well, this is the la- hopefully this is the last of this particular rewind, and then we're going to uh, speak with Dawn, and maybe she will also have something to um, to add to this. But the rewind, the singular rewind, is this vampire musical exploration that we have been on now for <laughs> like four episodes, seven weeks or something. <laughs> So we talked with Shanna about one. I think she put it the musical she could do without, which was Dance of the Vampires, which I saw it, which, you know, was a very short lived here on Broadway and then which where she saw it. And then um, I saw it in Berlin because it had a much longer life in Germany because, and because of course Europe. But I think primarily Germany. Then we talked last time about Lestat, which was the Elton John and Bernie Taupin um, adaptation of the Anne Rice book, which was also very short-lived and which we learned has a cast recording that will probably never be released or maybe, <laughs> you know, upon someone's death. Who knows? Um, then I went ahead and looked up vampire musicals and found that there was Dracula the musical, yeah. which uh, premiered in at the La Hala Playhouse in 2001. And was on Broadway in 2004. I do not remember this. I, at I all, did, at all. which is why I was like, "There was another one. There was another one." Do, please say you looked up it who wrote for, it. it. Oh, I don't know who wrote it. I didn't even look up. <laughs> okay, who wrote well, it. we don't care. But We're it never ran for talking. 154 performances okay. um, before closing. So obviously, uh, which is what not even half a year um, with eight performances a week. Probably, yeah, I guess. Oh my yeah, God, it um, was Frank Wildhorn. No wonder. <laughs> And Kelly O'Hara was in the original cast. Shut the front door. Tom Hewitt played the title role. And apparently one of the big draws for the 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 show yeah. was that there was this like risque nude scene where I think Kelly O'Hara might have like shown a, a side side, Ooh, boob side boob or something. Oh my god. I some side I know boob. she had it in her. Now, I love that. The funny thing, again, this musical was not a hit 
on Broadway, but became a hit in Europe after it was reworked, yeah. it said on the on the page. And then the final thing, and I didn't find out too much information about this, unfortunately, because I, I don't know where it ran, was a musical called Vampire's Rock, oh my which God. was a jukebox musical of ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, Bon Jovi, Meatloaf, Joan Jett, Queen, and a few others. That is some like... It was a stage... A musical stage show which premiered in 2004. Again, it didn't say where. Even even on its own Wikipedia page, it didn't say where it played. nobody wants to be associated in, with having like produced it. And then this is the hysterical part. In 2009, a new version of the show called Tour, a tour, tour called Vampire's Rock Christmas. Because those two things and later overlap. a a third a third version of the show toured called Vampires Rock Ghost Train. Oh boy! There we go. We are done yeah. with vampire musicals, and we are ready to invite Don Magyar. Don, are you are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Yay! Hello, amazing. Hello, Hello Don. Did you did you by just random chance happened to see any of these vampire musicals i saw none of the vampire musicals none had you had had you heard of all of them or not this late not the 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 jukebox musical the vampires rock that one i i had not heard of either (laughs) but i'll probably be doing a tour of that as my next job because it's probably about (laughs) i was thinking that is some like uh some like cruise cruise ship Actually, I would that. take that job right now. <laughs> Maybe not on a cruise God. ship, but that... the tour, yes, of Vampires, the Ghost Town. What was that? The Ghost Trilogy? or <laughs> Vampires Rock Ghost Train. Ghost oh my Train. God. Okay. Ghost Train. Awesome. And then Vampires Rock Christmas. I have to YouTube that and see if there are any clips from Vampires Rock I mean, Christmas because that, that just literally sounds too makes good to be true. No sense. <laughs> like no it, sense. It, it is so bizarre. So bizarre. I know. I want to see Don. Go ahead. You what? I said I want to see the song list for that. One. Yes. Oh yes. I know. What a bizarre combination. And like obviously Guns and Roses had to like and Led Zeppelin had to give their permission right to. To, for a, a show to have their songs in it it's just so 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 bizarre um don we have known each other for i can't eat it was like 90 what would it have been 97 or no it would have been 98 probably mm-hmm. when we met briefly at the cleveland playhouse at a halloween party which yes. we didn't learn about until many years later I was there doing an internship with this crazy Czech director, Pavel Dabruski, who was a, a kind of a regular at the Cleveland Playhouse, right? Yes, I eventually ended up stage managing a production of Yerma that he directed. <sighs> and wasn't there like fire on stage or something? Or there, well, there was there was a live happened. chicken for sure. There was like a Santeria <laughs> a Santeria scene where there was a sacrifice of a live chicken. Um, <laughs> wow! Very controversial. He was. Did you enjoy working with Pavel? I I liked him a lot. Um, it was really it was hard working with him because he was the director, the lighting designer, the costume designer. So, like trying to schedule that as a stage manager, um, you know, it was and and. He had a very, working with actors, 
he was very non-traditional. Like he wanted everyone to crawl around on the floor and pretend they were like goats for a half an hour, just oh, like bleeding and my God. crawling around the furniture. And you know, some people love that. And then other people will be looking at me like rolling their <laughs> eyes and you're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, I was working with him. He was, we were doing a, uh, I don't even, it was like a showcase, I guess with the, the, Case Western University MA students, and we we had he had chosen, I guess, actually for us to focus on Edgar Allan Poe. So we were using only Edgar Allan Poe texts, and that's exactly what I mean. We would spend a yeah an entire afternoon just like squawking like ravens, or you know, running around the room like and and of course at this moment I was just like, ooh, it's theater. This is great. <laughs> but but there were many people in that room who were like, what the fuck are we doing? And he was. He was, there was only like one or two people that he liked, which he would tell me on a regular basis. He would invite me to do notes in the bar while yeah. he would drink beer and then just tell me, he's like, there are, there are no, there are all of these people, they have no talent. Yes, they have no, none exactly. of these people have talent. None of these people have talent. And you're like, um, uh, wow. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't agree with him, but anyway, the, the, yeah. it, it was an adventure. What were you doing at Cleveland Playhouse? Because this is this is um, actually about you because you're our guest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, the PSM for the Cleveland Playhouse for, uh, for three seasons. So that was I think that was my second season when I met you. Um, so, yeah. So I ended up doing like three and a half seasons there as the one of the PSMs. So I would do... I started out in, they had two different theaters there. I started out in the Drury Theater and then moved over to the Bolton, which was slightly bigger. Um, so, yeah, so I was just PSMing um, various what, shows. What other season. shows, what other shows did you, what shows did you, were you PSMing for that season? Vampire Rocks. Do you uh, remember? The, <laughs> Vampire Rocks. I don't, rem- I can, all the seasons kind of blend together. I don't, I think. Maybe I know they did 12 Angry season. Men. They did what? And I know they did Company. 12 oh, Angry did, Men and Company were both. I did 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Okay. Which was okay. a blast. Oh, my gosh. No offense to the ladies out there, but if I could just do a show <laughs> with all men. I mean, I, <clears throat> I did a show. I did a 12 Angry Men. It had one. The bailiff was a woman. They cast a woman as the bailiff. One of the Case Western students. Who was one of the Case Western yeah, students. Yeah. yeah. Katie J. Yeah. Yep. She was lovely, um, but it's so funny because yeah. later in my Cleveland career, I did a four-person show. It was three ladies, and actually, there were two Case Western guys in it because they were only off-stage voices, so they were never actually on stage. It was pretty much a three-woman show um, called "Smell of the Kill," um, and it was the most horrific. I hope you know. I hope they're not listening, but. Those three women. Were, you can pretty much be guaranteed that they're not. <laughs> Those three You're women, safe. while lovely in their own rights, like the three of them together was just a constant best of complaining. So and so's turning on the mixer during my scene on purpose to make it loud. And I mean, it's it was just, you know, meanwhile, the guys of 12 Angry Men were like, I'm not wearing pants. Oh, oh, oh. You know, like it was just like such a different. And they insisted on all being, you know, we had plenty of dressing rooms to put people in their own dressing room. 
And so when I made the dressing room assignments originally, I kind of had everybody in their own room and they insisted on all being in the same room together, like in a big chorus dressing wow. room because they just love cool. to hang out with each that's other. Really yeah. cool. so, God, oh, that's, that's really so cool. It's so interesting how the vibe can be just so different. Like just I know. in general, like production to production, like it's just... Yeah, for sure. For and sure. cast to cast, yeah. you can have a yeah, you can have a show, cast yeah. of twenty that all get along with each other, and you can have a cast of three that don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just um, night and day. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Don. Like you have you have been working in theater in live theater um, since you were twenty. Yeah, about yeah. I went to. I went to college for it for a bit. Um, So, you know, I started doing stuff when I was in college around, I went to college at the University of Arizona for four and a half years and still didn't graduate, but hey. Um, But I did, you know, I did stuff. It took me six. (laughs) (laughs) I did stuff around town, you know, at like the community theaters and things, you know, pretty much from the time I was out of high school until... You know, until I left Tucson, I think in about 90, when I went to the Cleveland Playhouse is when I left Tucson for good. So like 1997. Um, Yeah. Wait a second. Did you, didn't you also work in Florida? Was that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started doing summer stock when I was in college. So I would go away for the summer. Um, The first summer I went away, I actually worked at Walt Disney World as a theater technician in their college program. So I went to Orlando my first summer and kind of got the bug of like, hey, I could go away every summer and do some stuff and put it on my resume instead of just sitting around Tucson doing nothing. Um, So I, in 1990, I started, that was my, I did the college program at Walt Disney World, my first summer away from home and just loved it. So Did you like, did you like get into like uh, the 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 party scene with the actors? You know, as a young young youngin at Walt Disney World. Um, a, a little bit because we all lived at the same apartment complex. Yeah. So it was like it was called Vista Way, and everyone called it Vista Wasted. <laughs> Uh, everyone there was just, I mean, it was like a college dorm, you know. Totally. I'm only asking everyone. this because, like, uh, after I graduated high school in, in show choir, I had some friends that did, like, um, they were entertainers at, like, the local, um, you know, like, Kings Island, Cedar Point, like, that sort of thing. And yep. they would, like, always just tell me stories about... <laughs> You know, like the, the sort of living in close quarters and like, woo, like, yeah, I think they had. Some yeah, you summers. literally just got roommates like you didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it was I was in a three. Bedroom, How many? Um, so I was in a three bedroom, two bath apartment with five other girls. So wow, two, we had to share rooms. You know, it was like twin bed rooms. Um, wow. And so I actually did it for two summers. I did it in 1990 and 91. And had just like, I got there last the first summer that I lived there. Um, and so I got whatever the last spot of the room was. And I was with this girl who was like a tri-delt from Florida State. And, oh, know, dear. And not had <laughs> less in common than, you know. Delta, <laughs> Delta, like, Delta. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Was it, but and, you, did yeah. you, were, did you get paid? Like, were you, or were you just provided housing? We got paid. Um, I, in fact, I still have like my letter that tells you like, congratulations, you got picked. And 
the, my, my hourly wage was $5 and 60 cents an hour. And, uh, they, but they would take your money out to pay for your lodging. So, I mean, it was a very small amount, but it came right out of your paycheck, like boop, like, and so then you would get, I forget how much they charge you a month. I think it was pretty, it was like $75 or something. Like it wasn't like, but when you're only making $5 an hour, like that's, you know, it's not a lot, but. Was it good experience though, at least? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I, they, there were only three of us in entertainment for the whole college program. And we were all technicians types. Like I did a lot of follow spot props. I, I used to catch Tinkerbell. Um, that was one of my jobs <laughs> to catch what, Tinkerbell. At the what, does yeah, like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? I want to so, catch you know, Tinkerbell. <laughs> I know. I don't, you know, Tinkerbell does the flight off the top of the castle every night. So she launches from the top and comes, oh. comes down a wire and yeah. land landed on top of some building in Tomorrowland. So there was a, a launch team, which were like the highly skilled, you know, rigor people. And then there was the catch team with just like a bunch of yahoos like me. <laughs> you know, we'd get in a golf cart, we'd go to the wire control and we'd put tension on the wire. So you'd like tighten the wire before the flight. I mean, I didn't have any, I was just driving the golf cart. I didn't have any of that oh technical responsibility. Then we'd get up on the roof, put on our headsets. We had this giant pad with handles on either side. One of us would get on either side of this like catch pad. And we stood on this little runway that had like lights on it. And she would come down and one person would sit on the edge of the builder building timing. So the, every flight had a time of like how long it took her from launch to landing. And then <clears throat> we would... <laughs> We would wait there with our pad and she'd come in and we'd slowly kind of scoop her in the pad so she didn't like hit the wall. There was a wall behind us with like a big gym mat on it in case something went awry and she'd smacked into the wall. But yeah, um, you don't want that the little kids. Once. You don't <laughs> want the little kids. To this see is Tinker not a Bell real person, a right? This is just a no. prop. No, it's a real person. It's a tiny human. Oh my God. Sometimes a, t- a boy. But <laughs> like how tiny? I think they were like around five feet feet five foot one they had to weigh like a certain like i think it was under 100 like they had to weigh around 100 pounds ish you know so they were in like some sort of like body harness and they were how Um, far was the flight this is such a bizarre i I was also convinced it was no idea we were going to be talking about tinkerbell's (laughs) first of all i feel like don could probably write a book about like working at disney world second of all the title that book would be catching tinkerbell like for sure (laughs) catching (laughs) tinkerbell But I'll tell you real quick about the one flight that went really badly. Like, so <laughs> even though I only caught Tinkerbell for about a month, because they, they moved me around to different shows, which was cool, because I got to do all kinds of different things. Well, so one night we went, we did our thing, we're, we're waiting to catch her as normal. And the person sitting on the edge timing would usually say on headset, once she hit a certain point, the person would say, 39 seconds, like out loud on the headset. So somebody could, somewhere could write it down. Um, so about 39, 42 seconds was the normal time from the time they said launch at the top to when she hit the mark. So we're standing there just like business as usual. And we hear the, you know, the timer go 21. And we, before we could even react to the fact that it was only 21 seconds, here she comes barreling at us. I 
she ripped the handles off the pad. I went flying backwards, like off of this little like six inch runway platform that we had, literally almost falling off the edge of the building. Oh, oh my God. Wait, what happened? Why did it only take 20 handles in my hands? Why did it only take 21 seconds? Well, they figured out that so the wire that's up there all the time frequently got struck by lightning. So they had like a lightning gauge on it. to, okay. to So they would come in, they would check, they would inspect the wire, and they could know if it got struck by lightning. So if that was the case, they would cancel the flight usually, depending on when they found this out, because um, they'd have to put up a whole new wire. So mm. that had happened. They had put up a whole new wire. It was the wrong gauge wire. <laughs> so it, it was either, I don't know technically if I'm going to say this, or I think it was too thin. Like, it wasn't the same thickness as the the gauge of the wire should have been. So she just came, like, flying down that thing. Because there wasn't like, enough really resistance fast. or something? Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So she literally hit the wall, the back wall, and was knocked unconscious for only for probably, like, 10 or 12 seconds. <laughs> oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lot. And this is, like, a what? Like, an 18-year-old or, like, a high school kid or what? No, these were... These were like older adults. people at that point. I mean, I was like 20. They were just small people. Yeah. They were just, you know, one of the women I think was like 30 something, as I recall. Like they used to do it. Wow. Because okay. um, they didn't, you know, they just had to have sort of a certain physical marks to hit. So it didn't matter like how old you were or as long as you fit in the costume. It was kind of like, and knew the gig, you know, you were just like, wee. And they got paid a lot of money to do it. And they just literally worked for like two hours because they'd oh come God. in they'd get in the costume it, it was just like down, and then they would leave. fly it was just <laughs> like leave. and there Yay, were hazard and pay. you said there were boys that did it yeah yeah there were some boys too they just put wow. on a little wig and i mean they all wore a wig and everything anyway so. well hey i mean people pay to do that sort of, i mean like i've gone ziplining and like i'm like right. i think i'm like that sounds fun to fun for me i'd show up for two hours yeah and be they were usually like dancers or you know <laughs> gymnasts or something yeah that's a good gig Good gig. Yeah. Oh my. I mean, gosh. unless you, unless they fuck up the wire and you go crashing through a wall. Yep. Yeah. Get knocked unconscious for twelve seconds. She was totally fine. She was very good sport. She wasn't even oh that God. like freaked out about it. She was like, yeah, you know, it happens. I'm all right. They took her to the like medical place and had her checked out, and she was totally fine. It, you know, she didn't get, have any serious. She was back like the next week doing it again. So. Wow, I'm yeah. picturing Mary Catherine Gallagher when she like falls into you know. <laughs> She's like, yeah. ah, <laughs> nailed it. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. So you did. OK, so you did that for two summers. Yep. And then you also worked someplace else in Florida, right? Yeah, I worked for this. Am I just making that no, up? No, no. I worked met a few seasons for this great place, um, unfortunately, that is now closed, as many of those summer stock situations are, uh, called Seaside Music Theater hmm. in Daytona Beach, Florida. Um they used to do five musicals every summer in rep, uh, which was oh, like, wow. terrifying, terrible. Um, and then two, then there was a black box space where they did two children's show musicals. So um, the first summer there, I was just on the run crew because um, I had missed all the open stage manager spots. So the run crew pretty much works 24 hours a day. Oh my God, I bet you if are, it's all in rep all in rep so you're always doing changeovers yeah. and you run all the kids shows which are like at eight in the morning and then you know or something terrible and you know after you've been up 
you know. And then if, if you don't have a show to run backstage, change over, or a kid's show, they throw you in the scene shop and just like build this scenery with us. And so I think oh that God. summer I had one day off, like one full day off the whole summer. That is intense. But, but I learned a whole lot. I mean, yeah. I learned a lot. They were like, just build that. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I'm just a stage manager person. I don't, okay, I'll just do it. <laughs> you know, but. It, and so. It was great. Then I went so on to Wendy, get my equity card there. Like uh, oh, awesome. a summer okay. or two later. The next summer I came back as an assistant stage manager. And then the next summer. How, wait a second. Wait a second. How old were you when you got your equity cards? 24. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Yeah. They, uh, my first show as an equity stage manager was Noel and Gertie, which is a Noel Coward music, like jukebox musical. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> not, I've heard of I it before, not actually, yeah. but yep. hmm. okay. Oh my God, um, and my yeah. second show was Gypsy. <laughs> Tim's oh. favorite. Was it, uh, was, was it any good? It was pretty good. Yeah. And the thing about that theater is it was owned by and sort of produced by this gentleman named Tiffin Davis, who was many times the maestro of the orchestra. Uh, and he was a lifelong musician and yeah. loved music. Um, he so he always insisted that there was like a 30 piece orchestra for oh, every musical. That's amazing. Which, just doesn't ever happen anymore. No, and totally. The fact that you know, no, nowhere. No. Yeah. So every you know, so to hear the overture of Gypsy like with a full, beautiful orchestra, you know, it, it's or any of the shows that we did, you know, it was, it was amazing. Like and, you know, hearing the music as it, it was intended and not this like yeah. par pared down bullshit that yeah <laughs> passes and that's why these I, was, days. I was so impressed with that place in general you know going there i didn't really know what to expect i'm like oh rep theater so it'll probably all be the same set and mm. you know we'll just be moving a curtain or and but this was like five fully designed separate like there was no like maybe we stared shared like an escape stare or something but like there was never you know well any, how duplicated how many people pieces. were on the crew to handle all that changeover and everything um there were eight of us just on the run crew yeah um well wow. and then three stage managers per show um yeah and then we, you know we had a core of non-equity it was it was an equity theater but we had a like an ensemble that were non-equity so they could kind of move some stuff around too so between that sort of group we managed to get everything moved for these shows you know so I mean, we did the Merry Widow one summer and we had, I mean, you know, that show, if you know, it, it has three different sets for each. There's three acts. Yeah. And I mean, so we had, so basically the Merry Widow was like having three sets, you know, and then at the same time we're doing like a Vita and something else. And wow. all of those, all that oh my God. stuff is just stored everywhere in the theater because, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> Wow. It was like a Jenga situation. You'd add another show and you'd be like, oh, God, where are we going to put all this? You know, so it was, it was crazy. And you said it's sadly so, no longer. Uh, did did it sort of did Tippin just sort of that, that's his name, right? Yeah. Tippin, yeah. Okay. He, it, so it didn't he, he did he retire it or something? 
he passed away at mm. one point, but his daughter, Julia, who's awesome performer and opera singer, um, she kept it going for years. And then it just sadly, you know, lost money. They, they ended up in a, they had a brand new space built for them and everything. Um, mm. And ran out of that space for like five or six years, I think. And then like the whole thing just kind of went under as many theaters do. But, totally. um, but yeah, I mean, every summer it would be full of New York actors. You know, it was like I met a lot of people. Um, it was people from all over the place, you know. And, you know, I would still run into people when I was in New York of like, oh, you look familiar. Oh, we worked at Seaside. Like there was just like hmm. this huge contingent of people that did summer stock there. You know, it was really you got to do so many shows so quickly, you know, it was just, woohoo! it was kind of like, here we go. It was crazy, but definitely for a 20 year old or a 25 year old. And oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, yeah. And as a, I did that. I did that in grad school one summer at Monomoy and it was the same thing. It was like eight shows, 10 weeks. We had one day off. <laughs> Yep. And I'm so glad I did it, but I would never do it again, you know, never. <laughs> yeah. Even then, I was like, mm, no, I'm not, I'm not coming back totally. here. Totally. Um, when was it, since you brought this up, I, I'm curious because I think it's interesting. Uh, you, you, I think as, as theater makers and as theater artists, I think everyone wrestles with the, the concept of like, do I need to go study? Do I need to, like, is that actually helping my career is are there reasons to get a degree you chose to you you left school and what was when when did you do that and and could you talk a little bit about like why you made that decision at that moment yeah I think um I was really I I, I think I was at the University of Arizona at a strange at a strange moment um we had so many stage manager majors like there were uh, like seven or eight of us. And I mean, I didn't change my major to stage management until I think the middle end of my sophomore year, I was in acting directing. Um, but I was just a terrible actor. I mean, I, I was fine, but and I could I could sing. So like, sometimes they'd like, throw me a bone and put me in something that <laughs> just had a chorus of people in it. So I could just stand around and sing move scenery and stuff. But um, I, you know, I didn't really discover stage management until later. So once I did join the stage management major, there were, you know, I was, a, I was coming up to my upper class years and there were just no shows. Like I would, you know, I assisted, I would have graduated college as with a stage management theater production degree, having only stage managed two shows. Oh my goodness. And one of which I was going to, I was the assistant. So I, I PSM'd one show in college. And I was like, by this point, I was, and there was just so much competition and there were just so few shows that, you know, and when I was a junior, I remember them saying, well, we don't have a show for you, but do you want to do props on this show? And I was like, no, I don't want to do props because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to graduate next year and I don't have any stage management credits from this school on my resume. <laughs> so, I mean, now I know that kind of doesn't matter. Um, and like I said, I was doing summer stock and I had worked at Disney. And so I did have things for my resume and I did a lot of stuff around Tucson. Actually, at that time, there was a small black box theater that got started by people at the U of A who were so frustrated, actors and technicians, that there weren't enough shows to go around that they started this little black box theater that a lot of us worked at. And we did like these crazy, ridiculous shows there. Um, uh, so... I had some of those credits and, you know, but I was just getting really frustrated. I was 
pretty much paying for college myself. Like I would work every summer, save up, pay for my, you know, I was just in an in-state school, so it was inexpensive and at the time. Um, so, you know, I, I just had people offering me jobs, you know, and when you're 23, you don't always make proper choices. Do I wish I would have finished? Uh, absolutely, because I was so close. But at the time, you know, I was being offered jobs by Disney and then Seaside offered me a, a winter and summer job. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to, you know. And you never, but you never stopped working. No, no, I never did. I, yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never, you know, I never had any issue getting work. So that was, you know, and, and frankly, you know, and I talked to, you know, some of my friends who are now teachers. And sometimes I talk to classes like in co- stage manager programs and stuff and in, in co- at colleges for friends or they come shadow me at a show. You know, I'm like, it is important. I think you, I think college is important because you kind of find, fine tune maybe what you want to do. I mean, I did, I thought I was going to be an actor or director. Um, and then I realized, you know what, that's not really my strength, but I was also in an environment being exposed to other things like stage management. I didn't really know about stage management. You know, I didn't know you could have a career as a stage manager. When I started college, it wasn't until I sort of was in that environment that I'm like, oh, hey, this kind of, this checks all the boxes that I like. And I'm still in theater and I'm doing, and I still get to interact with the artists and the, you know, I'm in my own way, like a certain kind of artist, but maybe not a performer. And so that, if you know, if I hadn't gone to college, I don't know if I would have figured that out. I mean, maybe hmm. eventually, but right, right. It, it really opened that door for me. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think getting the degree is a good idea. Um, so, I mean, I would, I always, yeah, it's weird. It's, it, it. it's interesting that what you're saying, and, and I went to a small, a small program, a small school at Kansas state university. So I got, we, everybody in the program, not everybody, but the bulk of the people in the program got to do the things that they were attempting to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also figured out I didn't want to be an actor in college as well. (laughs) Um, But, but you know, if you're, I I always feel like if you're in a program and you are potentially going to graduate and you've only been in like one show, like uh, you're in the wrong program. Like you either you're in the wrong program or you're studying the wrong thing. One of the two, you know, because if you don't have the opportunity to actually like, perform or stage manage or direct or design if you're not actually getting the experience to do that then you I, I, I feel like that's something that, that you should really examine but but uh so t- finish finish giving us because there's so yeah. much you've done so <laughs> many things um so after florida th- when did cleveland playhouse come and then when did blue man come and like when did all those things sort of like link up yeah i um so i um just out of college, I, you know, I had been working for Seaside. Um, I then also uh, worked at Arizona Theater Company, which is really the only large professional theater company in the state of Arizona. Um, I was always trying to weasel my way in there. So I took a job in the box office, I think, in my later years of college, just to like, start to get to like schmooze around with people and go to opening night parties and, you know, (laughs) so I eventually weaseled my way into a PA position there. Um, 
So I PA'd for a few seasons right after college. Um, uh, actually, just one, I believe, or two. And then, um, and basically, at that level, it was it's a Lort Regional Theater. There's an equity stage manager, but then a non-equity assistant. So I was the non, basically a non-equity assistant stage manager, but they call it a production assistant. So I did a few shows there and then i got my equity card at seaside and the the scary part about doing that is once you get the equity card you know obviously my other job at arizona theater company is gone right you know and i right. of, of course right. i said hey next year i would love to come back as a as a psm and they're like ha 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 you're too young you know and like they're like you don't have enough experience yes you've done five of our shows as a, as basically an assistant stage manager but now there's no job for you so you know, that's kind of the, the price you pay when you, sure. when you make the switch, you know. So I ended up taking a job instead of as a stage manager, as assistant production manager that next season after I got my equity card here at Arizona Theater Company. And um, within, I don't know, one or two shows, they decided they really didn't like the people, the person, that, one of the people they had hired to do the season as the other PSM. So I ended up like PSMing the last Two, one or two oh, shows wow. of the season because they were like, oh, we don't like this person. Oh, Don can do it. So then then I, then I ended up stage managing. Um, I think it was, maybe I just did the, one of the last shows of the season and they were like, oh, yeah, you are great. Okay, come back next season. And then I did a full season, two full seasons after that. And then I came to Cleveland. So I came okay. to the Cleveland Playhouse after that. Um, and I was at Cleveland much longer than I thought. I thought I would do a season maybe, and then I'd be out. But I actually, you know, I, I actually enjoyed my time living in Cleveland. Like it was, it was enough. I was ready to go when it was over, but you know, I stayed for three and a half seasons, which is a lot more. I mean, people would be like, you're moving from Arizona to go to Cleveland. Like I was like, <laughs> eh, it's about the work I'm, you know, yeah. doing, I'm doing the work. And so but I had a great time there. I had a great time at the Cleveland Playhouse in general as an institution, you know. Um, and was Peter Hackett the the artistic director the all all of that time? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, he was awesome. I got along really well with him. Um, he, you know, I got an opportunity to go to Hungary. Um, they did oh, wow. what? Yeah, yeah. like well, what's that all about? Um, so, I guess uh, Cleveland, outside of Hungary, has the largest population of hungarians um outside of what? yeah so so cleveland playhouse had a sister theater in a little town called mishkoltz hun hungary um that was like they were like sister theater partners um so they made this whole deal that one season in the summertime the Hungarians would come and mount a show that they had done in their season at the Cleveland Playhouse as like a special summer series. And then one summer, Cleveland would take one of their shows over to Mishkoltz and then to Budapest. So I ended up being the company ma manager. So I wasn't working on the show that it was Picasso at La Panagile. That's the show they were taking over to Hungary. And I didn't work on that in the season. Um, so I, I stage managed a different series of shows, but um, I was in rehearsal with Peter and he was like, hey, um, our company manager isn't gonna be able to go to Hungary. Would you consider maybe doing that? And I, this was like 
six weeks from when the trip was. And I was like, I don't, I didn't even have a, I was 27. I didn't have a passport. So I'm like, (laughs) sure. I'm like, I get my passport, you know? And so, you know, and everything had kind of already been planned. Like I was literally just kind of babysitting, like everybody on the bus, everybody off the bus. Yeah. Did everybody check into the hotel? Like, and the, the hosts, our hosts in Hungary were so amazing. Like I was blown away. Like, this theater in this little town was the most beautiful theater complex I had ever seen. It had multiple theaters. They had a company of actors who were so cool. And we did the show for a few performances at their theater. And then we went to Budapest and did the show in the huge opera house, the Bixenhaus Opera House. Like, it was amazing. Um, and we were there two weeks, I think. And every minute it was like, they were taking us for dinners, taking us to sightsee, taking us to wine tasting and caves. Like it was, wow. it was pretty, it was That sounds like great. such a sweet gig. I would have said yes yeah. so fast. God. So fast. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it was really fun. So that sounds, I mean, you, yeah, you, you're, you're what? You're at 27 at this point? Yeah. I mean, this and is like insane. company managing in Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> amazing (laughs) yeah it was great it was really fun so i had a lot of i had great opportunities there and i worked with some really cool people there um yeah it was really it was it was fun um i mean you amassed uh, so much experience so quickly i mean i was just like ruminating when you were talking about not finishing school and you know it is a nice a nice thing to have but you know in this in this field i feel like it's so necessary to just be like hands-on and like yeah, I finished my my undergrad, but like, you know, I, I sort of grappled with like, oh, do I go to graduate school? And I assumed that was something that one did. But like, once I moved to New York, and just sort of I understood how the industry worked. And, and as a 22 year old administrator, and like interviewing people to work for me as an intern who were like doing graduate programs in the field, I was like, oh, I so I don't need to do this. Like I don't need <laughs> to have this on my resume, this schooling. Like I just need to like get work experience and know and right. get get to know people and form relationships and I'm not advocating school is stupid, but sure. it's just interesting to hear your career trajectory yeah. and like yeah. how much you did and how like it seems like one one road sort of like led to another to another to another. If I'm yeah. to put words, even if, if I'm way, to put words in your mouth, even the but. way that you, even the way that you talked about, um, you know, taking getting into the box office and getting to yeah. know people. I mean, people always say shit like that. They're like, "This is what you should be doing," but that's what you actually did, and, it's, and it worked. It's smart, and you that's know? the way I mean, it works. Sometimes it's like you don't necessarily yeah. always walk into the dream gig. Like you've got to just get your get your foot in the door and just start like meeting people, and they're like. You know, oh, Don's cool. Maybe she could do this. Oh, oh, whoops! Our company manager isn't available. Like, can you do that? I mean, yeah. I just feel like that's how that's how you get there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah I, you, a- know, you know, playing devil's advocate about you know, I like I'm like you, Scott. I wouldn't say, oh, don't go to school, but also, um, you know, I, no one has ever asked me about school ever. Totally. <laughs> like on right. one, I mean, you know. Actually, you know, when I when I used to get interviewed more for jobs, like where you'd have to sit down and like talk about your, you know, your your life and what you've done. Um, 
even then, like no one, they were interested in what I had done work-wise, mm-hmm. not anything. No one was ever like, oh, well, you don't have a degree or, or, you know, oh, do you have a degree? Like no one has yeah. ever asked me that question. So. Yeah, and on the flip side, when like when I'm interviewing people, I pretty much gloss over that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, me too. I I care and I don't care. Like, it's nice if they have an undergraduate degree, but I really care. Like, like what experience do you have? Exactly, I'm the same when I'm hiring people. I mean, I'll I'll see I see it as a line item, and I'm like, oh, cool, they went to that school or whatever. Yeah. But I don't ever ask them anything about it or. <laughs> You know. <laughs> I think the I think the only time that it would come up is is when if you or if you happen to go to the same school or mm-hmm. like you have someone close close to you in your life that went to that school right. and you have that that bit of connection. But yeah, uh, I, I I yeah. Or if I you mean, want to teach, if you want to teach, of course. Oh, you know? of course, of course, of course. I mean, yeah. For I me, think anyone going to grad school to be a stage manager is like no, is it, like right. I mean, if you're going to te- want to teach at a college level and do that kind of stuff, then absolutely. But if you just really want to be a stage manager, like, just go out and start doing stuff. You know, like, right. you're going to learn a lot more. Totally. Like, and, and for me, I mean, the merits of undergrad, so, I think, are like, figure out what the hell you want to do. Because, you know, yep. when you're 18 years old, it's like, maybe you think you know, but like, it is a nice little cushion of time to like, sort of figure that shit out. Yep. One thing that I would have done in retrospect is like, wait, at least I would have taken a gap year. I wasn't ready to go to school when I was 18. My my first year was a fucking train wreck. My GPA, <laughs> I struggled to get my GPA back up after that. And I was a straight A student in high school. But when I got to college and I was like, Wah! you know, just like, <laughs> just, just like, you know, it went absolutely bonkers and, and never even went to my general psych class, which I actually found interesting conceptually. But, you know, it was it was at like 1030 in the morning and I just couldn't make it. <laughs> you bitch. See, I had an oh, 8, I I had an 8 a.m. <laughs> in an 8 a.m. music theory class, which was like Ooh. evil, Ooh. evil. I used I to wake a, up at 7 a.m. tapped. Tap class. Tap. Okay, that's worse. You win, actually. <laughs> I would wake up at 7.55, like, literally with my pajama pants on, throw on shoes, and, like, sprint across campus, like, with, like, in just, like, attend class in pajama pants, because, you know, that's what stupid 18-year-olds do. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. Uh, oh, my God. God, those were the days. I know. Okay, so wait. So. So, so, so at... It was Blue Man the next landing point, or am I missing something in between there? That was yeah. That was my next. Um, that was my next big gig. Um, what and did I do you in between got that them? in what two thousand and one, two thousand two, two thousand one. Okay. Oh wait, no, sorry, two thousand two. Yeah, two thousand two. Okay. So I left Cleveland, I think, in the summer of 2000-ish, and I was turning 30, and I was like, I just don't, I'm going to take a break from theater for a little bit. I didn't really know. I felt like I was done with regional theater. It's like, I really want to do something bigger. Like, I, I enjoyed doing regional theater, and like I said, I met a lot of really cool designers and actors and stuff um, that, that I'm still friends with a lot of them today, but... Um, you know, I just, I was kind of at like, I'm turning 30, what am I doing? And so I decided to leave Cleveland and I came out and hid out in Tucson for the summer 
and was like waiting tables because I was like, you know, I've never been a waitress. Maybe I'll just do that until I kind of figure out what I want to do next. And quick, I was really bad at it. I thought I'd be really <laughs> good at it. And I was that seems, terrible. That seems like such a hard job. I never did it, but it Me always too. seems so I, difficult. I was hateful at it. I was awful at it. Where were you That's a waitress? the only other job I've ever had outside of theater was... Well, in high school, I worked at a movie theater for a while in the box office. Um, and then I worked at this waitressing job at a cowboy-themed steakhouse called Pinnacle Peak in Tucson. <laughs> and where you that. had to dress in Western clothes and have a fake cowboy name. I was going to say, um, hey, y'all. Did you have to do an accent? What, what was your fake cowboy name? <laughs> it was Six Gun Sally. <laughs> <laughs> did you do an accent did you opt for the accent or no any uh... no, I... <laughs> no i didn't have an accent but and you know and, and restaurant people are like total party animals too like everyone oh, yeah. is just like oh my god remember t- like remember yeah. uh was it chelsea lobster company john's pizza? That, or, or john's oh, pizza. chelsea lobster company and john's pizza I mean, there was both a, of those places there was a lot yeah. of bah- yeah, we can do a whole we can do a whole episode there. on that. Totally. <laughs> what I did know. you say? What did you say, Schneider? Oh no, I, I was just saying that there were a lot of there was a lot of behind the scenes action, like oh. like living yeah. vicariously oh through god. friends' stories oh that worked at those yeah. two yeah. Uh, two eateries, if you will. Yes, it's nuts. Like I thought, like theater people were wacky, and like I was like, this is way, this is a whole nother level. Like this is <laughs> something else. Um, so. So yeah, I did that um, for a summer and my plan was I was actually, um, I had done a couple scouting trips to Las Vegas um, thinking that maybe I wanted to like work on a big show like on the strip or something, you know, like maybe that's my next like kind of for profity type deal. So that summer I went to Vegas a couple times, like knocked on some doors and uh, met with like some people at MGM and uh, maybe Harrah's um, and it you know it was summertime in Vegas so that's like the slowest period of time oh this must have been this must have been the summer of 2001 um, because yeah because then I was like they were like come back in the fall like we'll actually we'll, we're gonna have a bunch of positions opening up for our fall like push for a bunch of shows and things so I had a couple like irons in the fire I like found an apartment you know like I looked at a bunch of apartments I was like and then I got a job uh at the end of the summer to do a show at Arkansas Rep which I had done one other show there over the summer um Uh, in 97 I think I had done best little whorehouse in Texas there and then they called me randomly to do a fall show for them and I was like this is perfect I'll quit my waitressing job go do this show at the rep and make some like equity money and then move to Vegas and you know do whatever and and then 9-11 happened so like, and while, then while I was in while I was in Arkansas doing uh, that show oh my god um so it was like ooh, you know um you know and to speak about networking so when I was in Arkansas doing um you can't take it with you which is really fun um <laughs> <laughs> that's an old-fashioned one God, um yeah. I was yeah. like, not as much fun as we possibly could have but you know um we you know I uh, ran into a choreographer there that I had worked 
he was just wrapping up the show that started before ours. And he um, was like, hey, we're going to do this production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in <laughs> Chicago uh, next year. And, you know, we're going to need a PSM and everyone loves you. And we worked, I worked with him on, it was going to be produced by some people I knew that I had met in Best Little Whorehouse and a co-production between the Arkansas Rep. And they were going to do it at the Royal George Theater. And so he's kind of put that in my, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to tell these people I ran into you and you should be the PSM. You'd have to move to Chicago because um, they're not going to house anyone, blah, 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 equity stuff. But, you know, and I was like, well, I don't have anywhere else. You know, I was going to move to Vegas, but there are no jobs. Um, you know, and yeah. frankly, this production was sort of on the fence as to like, is this really going to happen? Is it, you know, nobody really knew if the that some of the money people were going to want to back a show at this point, mm. you know, even yeah. though it was, wasn't slated to start for like a couple more months. Um, so it ended up working out and they ended up hiring me and hiring me. And I, so I moved to Chicago in October of 2001. How long and, did that, how long did that run? Um, it was supposed to run four months at the Royal George. It got, it was super popular. It got extended uh, at the Royal George. You're talking about Joseph, Joseph and the amazing yeah. Technicolor Dreamcoat, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, so how many times did you have to listen to that terrible score? Like, oh my God. I'll not only listen, but teach yeah. red, yellow, then you walk over here and then you go over here, then blue. Okay. You know, oh my God. Oof. I mean, I could call that whole show without even opening the script. Like, cause I, we just rehearsed it. So we had, then like, we had a new, kids choir every week oh that's oh i forgot oh i forgot God. that there was that kids choir they aspect had that to kids it kids choir and that was like a big money maker because all of those pa- yeah, there'd be like 20 all the kids on pa- oh my stage. god that's so brilliant it's gonna like yeah, se- brilliant. sell sell the whole house out just with the kids choir. i know so Genius. every week we had a new kids choir so we had to teach them you know they had to like walk on stage walk off stage and they had like little Geography that they had to learn, and I was just like, "Oh dear!" So it was like all different, like local, yep. uh, different community kids choirs. Yep. Wow. Yep. Oh my god. Oh my god. We had wow. a little pen in the bottom of the Royal George Theater that we kept them all in. <laughs> uh, it was an old you, bar down there that we had there, taken everything out of. Like was there like padding a, on the walls? Was there like a dedicated? Was there like a dedicated child wrangler for the production? No, or? of course not. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, we would usually have one of the, like, usually it was the choir director. So mm-hmm. they would kind of, they would be down in the room with them. And then like one of the stage managers would come and bring, when it was time for them to come on stage, would come and fetch them and bring them up. And they would watch them while they were on, they pretty much, they were like set dressing almost the whole show. So they sat, the set had these like steps built in the back, almost like a pyramid. So yep. they would kind of sit back there for most of the show and, you know, hit each other and I was like, you know, poke each other. And that's stuff. when they're like, don't lock your knees. You'll pass out. Like, do you remember that? Like, that was always the thing. Yeah. And like junior high school choir, they were like, don't lock your knees. You'll fall and pass out. I'm like, is that, that a thing happened that happened a lot? Who oh, did it? Someone passed oh. out. I was always like, is this like an it. urban legend? Because like I never actually happened. In all my I always years thought it was an urban legend as well. I just thought it was something that they said to you so that you would like think about your knees yeah. and not about your, yeah. you know. So it actually it happened. What else? We were singing John Rutter's Requiem and it was, a, we were in a church. It was like an off-campusy thing. It was 
pretty hot. We were in Arizona. It was like kind of a hot room. Like there wasn't a lot of airflow in there. Hot lights are on us. And the guy in front of me just went down. Oh. And you can hear it. There was a recording and you can hear us like, oh, news day. <laughs> like some guy. Like, I shouldn't I be laughing. It's horrible. <laughs> Oh my, god. oh my god that is oh hysterical oh, i'm so happy to know yeah. it took me 41 years but i now know that it's not an urban legend that somebody it's actually not, fell it's not just a myth it's not just a myth <laughs> it happens um but. so so did that lead was the next thing after joseph yep i went on a so we extended Joseph like months at the Royal George and then we moved it to another venue in Chicago when the Royal George was going to get booked with something else. Mm. Um, we moved to another downtown like venue that had just opened. Wow. Um, and so then we ran there for like another two months and then we went on an ill fated bus and truck type <laughs> tour, which only lasted a month and then closed. Um, hmm. Why was it um, ill fated? Just ticket sales yeah, or? A... Yeah, just, I think they just kind of got in over their head. Like the producers were mm. new producers. Um, so it was a little ambitious, I think. Um, uh, and, you know, they had to call the, you know, cash in the equity bond. And we all had to like be bussed back to Chicago. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> uh, they ran out of money. So um, mm. that was my first touring uh. experience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so then I ended up back in Chicago faster, like, sooner than I thought. I thought it was going to be gone for like three months or something. And I had this like really high paying job because it was a pretty good tour contract. Um, and then I was kind of back in Chicago and like super poor. Oh my God, that summer was like top ramen. If I was lucky, like eating, I was so skinny because I didn't have any food <laughs> <laughs> or any money. So, uh, <laughs> uh, then then po I poverty, it's doing, a great diet. Yeah, Poverty <laughs> diet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just started doing like whatever f weird freelance stuff. I did some like street festival, like crew stage managing stuff. And then I got this job at Navy Pier in the production department, um, like a part-time job. Um, what is Navy? This is a stupid yeah. question. What What is Navy, Navy Pier? Navy Pier what? is the I... big, big pier in Chicago that has a big Ferris wheel thingy on it. Oh, okay. Um, I has a lot of little attractions and shops yeah. and it's, you know, it's on the lake. I can't believe you, I mean, you, you haven't been it's, there. I'm sure that I have. It's weird because obviously I grew up in the Midwest, but I actually didn't yeah. go to Chicago that often. Maybe like only oh, a handful yeah. of times. Like and and in like it was mostly once I was in college and was visiting friends and we weren't going to Navy Pier, it seems like. Yeah, you probably wouldn't go there. Sometimes bands played there that were hmm. decent. But other than that, there was like nothing for a teenage person to do yeah. there except be bored and stuff but you know so i eat I eat um i did that uh for the summer they offered me a full-time job and i the, the pay was i made more part-time because i could make overtime so i was like no i'm not taking a full-time job hmm. plus i didn't i mean it was just kind of like i was waiting for the next thing and and that's when i got blue man i was it was october of 2002 um yeah, I was working at Navy Pier. We were gearing up for like the stupid Halloween season, which is kind of the last big thing that happens there. Um, and I remember walking by the Briar Street Theater and um, I had seen somewhere on it in some sort of job rag that they were hiring a PSM in Chicago. 
And I had applied actually at Blue Man Vegas and I had applied at Blue Man Boston in the past and never like heard a peep. Like when they were opening Vegas, I remember applying there and never like even got a call. So I remember walking by the theater and I was like telling somebody I was with, I'm like, oh yeah, Blue Man's hiring. I'm like, I don't know. I've applied for them like twice before and never even gotten a call. So I, I pretty much wasn't going to do it. And then one day I was sitting at work at Navy Pier and that ad popped up again. And I was like sitting in the office babysitting something. And I was like, I have like two hours to kind of do nothing. I'm just going to send my resume. So I like sent a resume in and got the call, you know, crazy. It took a month, and then almost a month. I was like, how many, how many interviews did you need to do? Oh, so many. I interviewed with the PSM and the current SM at the time, Chris and Joel. Um, and then I interviewed with like what the blue man, like the captains. So like the blue man captain, the band captain, which was Mr. Jeff Quay at the time. And, um, the, and the crew captain and Galassi. Uh, yeah, I interviewed with Galassi and Quay. And then for those of you, for those of you who don't know, Don and I worked together (laughs) at Blue Man for many, many years. Um, which, which is why this all sounds so familiar to us and perhaps not to you. I know. I'm like, I'm like, who are these names? Even though I met so many people over the years via vicariously through you, Tim. But, um, yeah. And so then I had to interview be interviewed by the entire crew and the entire band and wow. all of the blue men like in these different group sort of settings you know that sounds intense and then i had to come shadow and then the probably show. from what about artistic direction what about uh, bmp like did you did, was there elements of that at the final round or not i don't feel like i talked to anyone or maybe i did um I definitely got sort of a, after I got hired, there was a direction visit like shortly after, like within a week. And so I got the third degree by uh, Carl, Carl Glob and Marcus Miller took me out to lunch and then kind of grilled me on my entire life story. And, and like, we're like, you should watch out for this person and make sure that this person <laughs> likes you. And la, la, la. It was so funny. Laying so down funny. the um, groundwork. So, so Don and I, Scott, you may not know this, but Don and I met well for the second time. But what we was kind of the first time in December of that year, because back in the day, Blue Man would send Blue Man Productions representatives to the Christmas parties oh, for the cities, okay, to like represent. And we had a very special evening that night um, at the Excalibur. Yeah, is that? Is that was that what it was? Yeah, this enormous venue down this weird, enormous venue downtown. And we had ourselves a time. A bit of a kiki. Yeah. A said. bit of a kiki. I only we had ourselves I a time. Attended two, and, and that's, I attended two Blue Man events through through you, Tim. Uh, one was the Vegas recoup party. Vegas, Vegas recoup. So I actually flew to we what well, we stayed at the Luxor, right? And there was yep, some yep. like rager of a party at a club, and then, uh, and then yes, I think you brought me to one of the holiday parties, which was in, in New York. In New York, yes, which was I don't yeah, remember the venue, yeah. but it was uh, it was equally a rager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Don and I bonded that night. We also discovered the Cleveland Playhouse connection. Oh well, yep. and um, 
And then, yes, we uh, have obviously <laughs> remained very close ever since. Am I we're a- going to, I think we're going to have to take a little pause on okay. the rest of your career because we have, we still have a lot of things to talk about, but we also have to talk about musicals. We do. We haven't actually like gotten yeah. there yet. So I want to ask you, if, so let's, let's have a little, um, we'll hit pause on these topics. We'll, we'll uh, re- Re, regroup reconvene no. is that the right word re yeah we'll revisit, revisit this topic um on our next episode but for right now uh don if you wouldn't mind i have a few questions to get us into the musical mindset what was the first live musical you can remember seeing oh. like how old were you where was it it must have been uh, in Tucson, probably at the Arizona Theater Company, I'd imagine. Um, I think it was My Fair Lady. That's kind of the first one, like professionally. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we did musicals in high school and stuff, but actually just like going to a theater and watching like a professional stage production of something, I think it was My, it was my Fair Lady at Arizona my Theater Fair Company. Lady. Yeah. Was it, nice. was it, was it memorable? Was it like, impactful was it good yeah. or do you remember being like yeah no i loved it i loved it i think i went we i think our school would do they did like student matinees you know mm-hmm. and you but they would bus a bunch of kids to see the shows um which i would learn to loathe as a adult stage manager but as a kid <laughs> I, mean, yes. I got to you know fair enough i got to take part <laughs> yes. in it you know? yes oh my god that uh, i totally what about no, go ahead. What about um, so we we have sort of discovered, and I think we also uh, talked with Busy about this that most, but both Scott and I, and so many people's introduction to musicals when they're kids, at least I guess it's a generational thing, but um, was either Wizard of Oz or Sound of Music on, you know, that was like a big event, a big television event, and the family would all gather around and like watch. Was were either of those? Uh, like, is that true for you or was it something else um, in terms I, of like something that you saw on TV? I definitely remember watching The Sound of Music a lot. Um, I mean, I there's something I never as a kid really gravitated towards The Wizard of Oz. Like I never, I just <gasps> never, I never really loved it. Like I, mean, I, I, I would watch I, it, but I kind I, of I much feel the same like, way, which yeah. I feel like makes me a bad human being, but. I think Tim, it was mandatory for you because you right. grew up in Kansas. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I grew up in Southwest Kansas, like tornado country, where you know Dorothy. Oh, and by oh wait, we have to have one quick tangent because <laughs> Schneider, oh, Don God. just texted me with say? like yesterday, the day before, that some friends of hers were driving through liberal Kansas and stopped at Dorothy's house. Oh my. <laughs> God, I have to, you know what, somewhere, I don't know where, but I definitely took pictures when we were there. Like, I have to find them because that place was bananas, like totally bananas. I mean, it was like a, it was like, I don't even know. It's almost like it was like a repurposed airplane hangar that they had like. It it was basically an airplane. Yeah, it was like like a huge metal, like metal shed. But the original. 
The original thing was the Coronado Museum because Coronado like made his way th- right through mm. liberal Kansas. So that was wow. a big and that's kind of a, like a really cool old building with all these little historical, you know, artifacts and stuff in it. Um, and then once liberal decided that it was going to try to claim that we were Dorothy's um, birthplace, then yes, then all of this other stuff came. And I actually my mother, I'm pretty sure my mother bought my sister and I a yellow brick a yellow brick because you could purchase a yellow brick to help build the yellow brick road and get your name on it. So I think there's a yellow brick in liberal with my name on it and, and my sister's or maybe I can't remember if it's if there's separate yellow bricks. But um, oh yes, God. we have a picture, Schneider. If we, we have to find that and oh God, God, I that would be that. a great we have a yeah. picture with Dorothy. We have pictures. I seen, with Dor- yeah, I remember. With, I definitely remember pictures were taken. Were they like animatronic? I seem to remember like there was. It was <laughs> yes. a lot. It was a lot. I mean, there was always there was always a a real girl Dorothy there during the yes museum times that was dressed in the little blue gingham um, outfit this, with the shoes. And was this for profit or did this like benefit something? I don't. I'm like. <laughs> This, I'm pretty positive that the museum was a nonprofit. It was a city. A, uh, I feel like I want know, to look into that. I remember the, the whole time me f- thinking that it was like some dude who like it was like a, an elaborate con or something. And you talking about like buying no. yellow bricks. Like, no, no, no. It was all you to were, fund you were a mark. To, you you know, were to, a mark. to make <laughs> to put to put liberal on the map. All right. Um, okay. So you you were a sound of music person. All right, all right, fair yeah. enough. Fair I enough. I, actually, um, like Charlie and the Chocolate. I mean, it's not really a musical, but I think I gravitated more towards like sound of music and like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka yeah. stuff. Oh, I was obsessed with Willy Wonka, yeah. but yeah, Wizard a- of Oz and Willy Wonka were probably my two favorite things yeah. as a kid. I bet. Um, what about like what was your favorite musical that you worked on either were in in high school or you know or worked on as a stage manager or you know but something early early in your career like what was something that really just like fucking grabbed you and you you know you were just super excited about it unless it's what you're going to talk about today no no um and then and then don't say it yeah one of the shows i really there's two that i from seaside that i really loved um I didn't call either of these shows, but I was like the head deck stage manager for them. Um, one was Secret Garden. Ooh, um, fun. And one was actually Follies. Um, oh, wow. Nice. I loved like doing both of those shows, like every night going in to do those shows. Like, loved it. Um, those are both and great Evita. shows. And I have to say Evita. I, had, I mean, I know people don't like that show, but I had it working on it was really fun. It was, it was really cool. Um, with one of my favorite actors that I've met at Seaside of all time, Mark Chambers played Perone, and he was phenomenal. He's like sort of the Perone I judge all other Perones by, because hmm. um, he was so charismatic. So you kind of understood. I find that they put these Perones in that are just like dead weight, like yeah, which dummy, doesn't. like just like mannequins, and it's like why yep. would someone as vivacious as her ever fa- like even be attracted to this person? So I felt like my friend Marky really like had the like machismo, like the the grit, but you know, so you can kind of like see glimpses of like, oh, I get it. I get why these two are like sort of like a fiery match, you know? So right, yeah. Right. So that was 
that was fun. That was a fun show to do. Um, but yeah. What was your What was your first Broadway musical? I didn't see my first Broadway musical till super, I was super old. Um, so it was actually, I think it was nine with the Antonio Banderas. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So what, that was, wait, Not when that was that? Ago. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so what about like, well, then, well, then, because Scott argued with me about this, he was like, well, Broadway musical, like a first national tour is a Broadway musical. So oh, what yeah. about that? Did you see like um, that sort of big show that yeah. came through Tucson or? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think uh, one of the early ones was definitely, I definitely remember seeing, did I see Les Mis here? It's probably Les Mis or I know I saw also saw Jelly's Last Jam. Like, oh my god. That was, set. That oh, was yeah. one that I, I remember saw. that show. Like, yeah. I remember seeing that in Phoenix. Um yeah, those were some of the early ones that I saw like on tour. Um Yeah, I feel I like loved, I'm sure yeah, you saw Les Mis. I'm I feel like they yeah. trotted Les Mis through like every single corner yeah. of the world for like over a five year period. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it at in Tucson at Centennial Hall, which is like the on-campus, like big venue uh, in town. Okay, so we are getting ready to talk about a musical you love or a musical you hate. Schneider, do you have a coin? Um, I can. Peace and cares. <laughs> oh, this is... Oh, wait, do wait, I have one? I have one. It just took me a little while to grab it because my body <laughs> okay. is not functional right now. Okay. Wait, so... He only has one hand. Okay. <laughs> I know. Okay, so if it's heads, it's love. If it's okay. tails, it's hate. Okay. Okay. And it is drumroll heads. Woohoo! Love. All right. Okay, Don, what's a musical you love? Tell us about it. All right. The musical that I picked that I loved uh, is Once. Oh, excellent. Uh, Yay. <laughs> and uh. also, it kind of has a connection to Tim because when that show came out, uh, and it's off-Broadway run, Tim and I shared an office together at that time in New York. And so he came in to work and said, oh, my God, I saw this show last night, whatever, you know, and it's it's selling out, so you should get a ticket immediately. So I literally just, like, went on the computer right there and got two tickets um, to see it. Like, I think I saw it a couple days before Christmas, Um so it was, so I saw it in the off-Broadway run first. and At, at New York Theater Workshop? Yes, oh, I really yes. wish I had seen that. Oh, it was so, I mean, the Broadway show was pretty similar. Like, it wasn't, I don't feel like a lot changed. Like, I didn't feel, you know, like it took a huge shift of any kind. But, but yeah, so um, I, I saw it total three times, once off-Broadway and twice on on Broadway um yeah it was kind of one of the it, it won a ton of Tonys it won eight Tonys uh it was nominated oh for 11 God. and won eight of them um and it ran how long did it run um they did a couple tours of it um it started out as a movie and mm-hmm. then uh 
they turned it into a musical. Um, I just, you know, for me, it was kind of, and I don't want to do a, I don't want to be like a spoiler, so I'm not going to say totally what I want to say, but um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, I just have to say, I love the ending of the show. Like, I just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not Wait, what, you like, have to tell us because I don't remember. Oh, How geez. could I not remember? I don't remember. <laughs> well, it's just, it doesn't really have a storybook happy yeah. ending. It's not like, trite. It's not trite. No, it's, it's, doesn't it's nap, doesn't it doesn't wrap things up. It's a very realistic sort of, you don't always get what you want type mm-hmm. of ending, you know? So, which the more, I, I appreciate those kind of endings. Like, I mean, there are some shows that you just like, yeah, this is going to all get wrapped up in a nice little package. And honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought that was what was going to happen. And I was like, I was okay with it. But then when it kind of didn't happen, I was like, <gasps> like, then I just loved it all the more because it's so touching and sort of the whole thing is sort of heartbreaking, like the music and the, you know, even the happier, happier, I put in quotes, songs, you know, it, they all sort of have this tinge of like longing and desire for something to happen that, you know, and for your life to change and things to be different. And so the fact that it doesn't resolve into a perfect little like thing, it, you still feel the joy from the, the journey that they all took and they, you know, it brought them joy in certain moments, but they, it's not going to resolve the way that everyone had hoped, you know? So I felt very, very, so very the movie, similar. The movie was, Obviously, the the music was written by Glenn Hansard 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 Marquetta Erglova. Yeah, they wrote the they wrote the music for the movie, and um, uh, they they did the the music for the show as well. Um, I mean, I guess the most popular song is the "Falling Slowly." Uh, mm-hmm. ballad that they sort of they write. won the oscar for that right yeah too. yes they yeah, write it in the course of the show together i mean the the plot is, uh. is kind of uh you know the the characters are just named like man i think and woman um i'm gonna get that wrong it's like man and uh, i think that's right yeah. man and woman. so they don't really i mean they have names in the show i think or do they ever call each other by name? No, I'm not they sure don't. that they, they do. They, I think they have names in the movie, but they don't okay. have names in the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically um, about a, a young woman uh, with a child, and she meets. I I think it takes. I'm so bad. I didn't do all my homework, but I think it takes place in Ireland, Scotland. Oh god. It's either Ireland or Scotland. Oh my god. They're so different. Oh my god. Oh my god. We're gonna get in so much trouble by by someone. Oh no, someone's gonna Wait, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. You keep talking. Um and it's sort of like an unconventional love story between the these two sort of loner, you know, they're they're sort of both wrapped up in their own lives. Um he his family owns like a vacuum cleaner store or something very sort of non-exciting and she's a single mother and you kind of don't she's she's very mysterious you kind of don't know a lot about her and they're both connected by music dublin 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 Dublin. um so they both sort of have this love of music and they connect through you know writing songs together and um in in the midst of this kind of fall in love with each other and um 
and then it has an ending that you don't really expect to have. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's, what's, what's fascinating is for some reason, when you started talking about it, because it's almost, um, there is a parallel to, uh, uh, Oh God, the the musical, the two person musical, the love story that goes backwards and forwards that we've been talking the last about last five years. Later. Yeah, because it's also based on a real yeah. relationship that happened. What's his name wrote the musical? Basically Jason Robert Brown, exactly. Yeah. J- Jason Robert right. Brown wrote the musical based on this relationship. Mm-hmm. This this musical is also about a real relationship, right. and she yeah. participated. But except for the the difference is she participated. Because she also co-wrote those songs, so she participated in the writing of this show uh, to a certain you know degree. Whereas with Jason Robert Brown, yes. whoever his ex-wife yeah. uh, right. was, did not participate in any way in, in writing that story about the two of them. Um, so sorry, I just had to, to no, yeah. absolutely on a tangent because it's, no, it's interesting, interesting parallel. Yeah, I loved. I really remember like taking away. I loved the simplicity of the story, and I felt that the emotion was like very authentic, and it felt very universal. Even though it, yeah, yep. I, I just remember that. I remember my feeling walking away from the show more than I remember like this this particular scene or this particular song. Although you mentioned falling slowly, and that that is such a gorgeous song, it was yeah. sort of like the standout. Yeah, my, my other, I guess my other favorite songs would be, um, well, and Steve Kazee, who played the lead uh, male role, was just, I mean, Stunning. utterly amazing. And I mean, he won the Tony for, you know, not that that means you're good or bad, but uh, he did win the Tony that year. The the female, his female counterpart did not win the Tony, which, which I thought I remember she was thinking she was, I remember thinking amazing. she was like excellent. So I yeah. she must have had some stiff competition that year or something. Uh, Audra McDonald won. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> she had to collect her oh. 73rd Tony that year or something. <laughs> she won for Porgy and Bess that year. So Oh, you know, you know I, saw, I love some Audra, yeah. but, but I saw that Porgy production. Yeah. I mean, she was great, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I didn't favorite. see it. It was Kristen. But- Kristen Milioti. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, it was, it was, it's actually woman. guy and yeah. girl with a, yeah. Oh, that's guy what it girl. is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading my own I feel notes. like she's, yes. she's done other stuff since then, like possibly TV type work, but I could be completely mm. making that up. She was, nope, I thought she you're was not. Stunning. She's actually done, she's done a fair amount of okay. stuff. She was in a season of Fargo. She was in Black Mirror. Oh, wow. uh, that's um, what I was thinking of. I think maybe Black Mirror. I think I might have seen her in that. It was like, oh my god! She and she's done a few, and she she just did that um, uh, Andy Samberg Netflix movie Palm Springs, oh. which I actually haven't, yeah, seen, I haven't seen, but I really want to. I think to. it's on Hulu. And she had she had a small part in The Wolf of Wall Street hmm. too. She had a oh. she's done she's she's had a fair amount yeah, well, of uh, success outside of, of theater. Stage. Yeah. She also did that David Bowie musical, um, Lazarus, if anybody saw that at New York Theater Workshop. Oh, I, I did not. To see that. I, I didn't did see not. it. 
Yeah, you didn't miss anything. Oh, really? Um, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Sick burn. Um, and the other song, there's two other songs I really love. Um, one is the end of act one, a uh, song called Gold. Mm, I remember uh, that one, yeah. Which they end up, then they the whole ensemble, uh, Steve Kazee sings the first iteration of it. Um, and then at the end, the ensemble do like a fully acapella yep. version that's just like, ah! it makes you like break out in hives because it's so And there was like good. a lot of onstage musicianship, as I recall, as yes. well, yes. which I, re- yeah. I always love. I'm always here yep. for that. Like I'm a sucker yeah. for like uh, actors that play play yeah, musicians. Yeah, especially like, when it's done really well. I mean, mm-hmm. it can, it just, it adds so much. If a door be closed Then a row of homes start building Tear your curtains down For sunlight is like gold I mean, that's... I love that. I think that the band's visit did that a bit too, which I liked. Yes. Um, so, but this was also just like seamlessly, you know, you're just like, wow, all these people play all these things. Yeah. Like it was, it was amazing. I remember like really loving the, that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. The harmonies, the, 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 the ensemble was beautiful. I, yeah. I, it makes me think of, did either of you guys see the girl from the North country, which no. is the, the Bob Dylan musical? No. It was awful. It was, it, it was trying to be this right. like, like absolutely. And of course it sounded beautiful and some of the songs really sounded beautiful, but the story was such a bizarre hodgepodge of like huh. really bizarre stereotypical things. <laughs> And so it just none of it sort of like stuck together. And when I think about something like once, which like you said, it's so simple. It's just a fucking love story between these two people. But those the the songs are also such a part of how the story comes apart, comes together, comes out. And and like you said, them them writing that song together is such a beautiful way to show the the evolution of this uh, relationship Um, and. Yeah, as you said, not necessarily. It's not all like it's not all like right. um, Cinderella, and you know everything is going to be peachy at the end. And I think when I, even though I don't remember that, <laughs> when I <laughs> when I listened to it again recently, just to like hear, you know remind myself of it again, like the I feel like the the dialogue in this show is so very sparse. Like there's not a lot of like heart wrenching scenes because it's all in the music. Like it's all conveyed. It's like it's what you, you know, it's what everybody talks about in musicals. It's like you can't speak any longer, so you have to sing. And I feel like this yes. musical really embodies that. Like the the scenes of dialogue are very sparse and like just utilitarian. Mm-hmm. But then all of their emotions come out through the music, um, which is sort of but so- speaks to their two characters because they, they have a hard yes. time emoting their feelings except through the music so um and yet the dialogue is so even in its sparseness is so clever i mean it's a a, a, a yes a irish playwright enda yes. walsh yes who wrote the book um and uh, actually a blue man and i i actually think he's scottish though no is he irish ronan 
was Ronan Irish or Scottish? God, he's, <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this because oh, he's going to be so mad at me. But um, he was the one who introduced me to Enda Walsh. And then I had read a couple of plays after he suggested it. And then when I, when we went to see Once and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bizarre. Oh, Enda Walsh has adapted this, this show. And yep. I had, I'm curious what both of, did both of you see the movie before you saw the stage show? Because um, you know, I saw it and I, and I, it was kind of like, oh, I love that song. I, I wasn't that drawn or moved by the movie. And I was actually shocked at how, like, I, it was like, it was one of my top probably five theater experience, live theater experiences of all time. Seeing that at the New York Theater Workshop was insane. I weird, I weirdly have still not seen that movie. Like, um, I just never, I read about it. Um, I knew the song, uh, mm-hmm. Falling slowly from falling the film, slowly. and um, you know, I think yeah, we said we what, they won an Oscar for it. And I remember they, <clears throat> excuse me, they went up and like I, I seem to remember their like acceptance speech being very charming and thinking like, oh, I should I should see that movie, I should see that movie, and then it never happened, and then the <laughs> and then the theater production started to get all of the the good reviews, and I was like, oh, well, I think I'm just not gonna see the movie, so I never have. But. Well, they were they were playing themselves. They're not actors. So yeah. it wasn't anywhere near as good as Steve Kazee and Kristen Milioti playing them. Well, they and were, I remember them. You know, insane yeah, actors. I remember like hearing that that sort of. And I was like, I think I, I'll just go for the for the, the theater production. Right. Yeah, it's probably wise. Yeah. The um, the other song I really love is in act two. And it's a full ensemble. Uh, it, for me, this song really is like sort of the emotional explosion. It's when uh, it's called "When Your Mind's Made Up," and it kind of ends with this powerful choral moment. Uh, it's just, I mean, it just it, and the, the sort of guttural singing that Steve Kazee does, like towards the end, it's almost Ugh. just like screaming. You know, it's like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, it just, it kind of just rips your heart out, you know, it's just. When your mind's made up, when your mind's made up, there's no point in trying to change it. When your mind's made up, when your mind's made up, there's no point in trying to stop it. And then the full ensemble comes in and it's, it's, and then it just ends like that song. It just like, bam, it's over, you know? And yes. you're like, I just, you know, I have, I've had a couple shows I've watched where like something musically was so good that I remember sitting in my seat and you kind of almost like black out. Like it's this weird, like you're seeing stars and like, it's just like this strange experience. It's happened to me in this show for sure. And then, uh, one show I saw this really crazy blues review with this woman singing a song, Roz Ryan. Uh, it was just, I had that moment in the seat where it's just like, it's almost like a sensory overload, but it's just like, I'm seeing stars and I like, feel lightheaded. Uh, I'll sometimes you know? Like an out of body, an out of body yeah, experience. I, I'll sometimes yeah. experience the sort of like pins and needles usually yes. from like, from like musical moments. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing can truly re- like replace the live, the live yeah. experience. Um, I mean, I, I miss it so much 
right now. And like when we do get back to it, whenever that may be, I firmly believe there's going to be like an insane pent up demand for for live experiences like once it's sort of deemed safe again because because yeah it's like humans have been doing this in a room like since the existence of mankind like i just you know and like what you said people have had these like you know almost like out-of-body experiences it's just like i don't i don't really see that going away yeah i don't either no i don't either i mean it's you know the modern technology is awesome for keeping everybody like connected but it's there's nothing that can replace that that feeling of watching something unfold live even if it's even just a concert or you Mm know uh any kind of sort of live you know i was this time or this time last year i was at the edinburgh fringe fest oh my god i've always wanted to go there and it's one of i couldn't believe that i had never been there before you know after being in theater for like 25 years um it's the most amazing experience and i just i got really sad earlier in the month when i was like oh god that's not happening this oh. year you know it's just yeah like i was so all funny those people you yeah know, i was actually that, thinking about like doing a trip to like to, to experience that um because yeah weirdly i haven't either um yeah and it seems like it's yeah, so amazing yeah it's so worth it and that it's the loveliest city like it's such a great city um and you literally just run around all day from show to show they have this great app you can just you're like at one show and you can scroll like while you're waiting to like what can I, what else can i see today like oh and you God, just like buy amazing. the tickets right on your thing and you go you know you know it's just like i i remember just running through the city because i'm like you don't realize how far one thing is from another, you know, and you're just like, Oh God, I have seven minutes. I got to get to the castle. You know, (laughs) so cool. So fun. Um, In, in Joan Rivers uh, documentary, little fun fact, uh, (laughs) she presented her show at the Edinburgh festival. (laughs) Oh my God. Did you see that documentary Don? I don't think I've seen it. Uh, I love it's, Joan it's, Rivers. It's, it's definitely it's definitely worth worth seeing. <sighs> yeah, for sure. it's great. Oh my god, it, I love it her. is really really great. Love her. So but much. back to once. Yes. Back to once for a, for for a, at least another moment because yes. um, we have a funny story about once. Like I, uh, as you know, I was obsessed with it. You passed that on, and then I convinced Scott that he had to see it. But by the time that all happened, it was too late to go to New York Theater Workshop, unfortunately. So we. I it, I think it moved to Broadway fairly quickly after, right? Like it was it, there in January. Wasn't... Yeah, it, I saw it in December, and it. Okay. And just on a quick side note, one of my former college classmates, uh, Bess Glorioso, was the stage the PSM for that show. Oh wow! Um, so awesome. give her a shout out because she is awesome, and I did not. I just saw it in the program at New York Theater Workshop, and I was like. <gasps> Bess is the stage manager of this amazing show. And then she moved with it to Broadway and blah, blah, blah. So okay, pretty cool. And it says here that it ran for 1,167 performances, hmm. which is That's a very good run through two, two years. plus years. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, um, the thing that I find so fascinating, and, and this is linked to this story because I convinced Scott to go and a group of us went, right? Like six of us um, or maybe even eight of us. Yeah, maybe like six of us or something. But when we got there, 
guess who wasn't in the show? I hate that, Steve. Uh, yeah. Well, and we was, had like yeah. we had sprung for like house seats. Do you want me to just take over so, the story? No. Yeah, well, you take over the story. I mean, I was like not feeling it. I was like feeling He was pretty, unhappy. Pretty piss pissy would probably be the word. Um because it was also like a Saturday night and it had just opened. Yeah. So I was like what the fuck? Like, I mean, I don't understand. Well, Why is he not in it? Like, that is ridiculous. It's a Saturday night. And, and then, like... Uh, and we have, uh, wait, wait, wait. We have to finish, interrupt, finish, though. We have to interrupt, though, is that <laughs> the problem, the reason that he was so pissy is because his understudy, and I mean, God love him, but he couldn't sing it. He couldn't sing the show, and he wasn't a very good actor. So it was like... He wasn't, yeah. obviously, he wasn't prepared for going. He wasn't really prepared to go on. Right. And it was very, very disappointing. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, and, and uh, you know, by the, like, intermission, I was actually, like, I had sort of, like, got gotten over my original feel-feels about it. Because I was, like, even without him, and I had heard he was so amazing, even without him, I was, like, this is a great show and was the like the show itself right. was so strong and like she was so amazing that and by the end i was like totally in tears so yeah. i was like okay i but you know i put that aside and i was like maybe i'll come back like i didn't care like i thought it was like such a fantastic show for all the reasons we already des- yeah. described and then they came out at curtain and someone i don't actually remember who it was maybe you do tim but somebody like came out and gave a curtain speech and explained that he like was that Steve wasn't in because he was like caring for his sick mother who was dying of cancer. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel like the most garbage piece of trash human being on earth. I felt so bad that I was like, why is he not in the show? Anyway, that's it. Wow. I think, I think that he wasn't caring for her. I think she passed away that day. It was like either. Yeah. Like he was like there and she was getting ready to where she had just passed, but it was like, yeah, very fresh. The situation. Um, Anyway, I I think it was the really, I think it was the like tall, like hot sort of like, um, you know, Irish bar dude who played like the accordion or something. He, that's who came out and um, did this, the curtain speech. Oh, wow. And of course, because I'm sure everyone in that fucking audience was like, it's a Saturday night. They were having the same Where re- is the lead? Same reaction you know? as me. <laughs> but, you know, so, like yeah. Scott. So, so I, so I, I like try, Scott. I try, I try to be a little more, uh, like since that experience, tried to be a little more accepting when, because it is, again, it's live theater. Um, I know. Although I've, I have lucked out, I tend to not see a lot of shows where it's like, you know, you're going to see this marquee name. But, uh, you know, when I do, I'm like, oh God, are they going to be in? Like when I saw Bit Midler, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. uh, Hello Dolly, oh, no, I was like, oh God, I really hope she's in. Um, but yeah, more often than not, I'm a little more chill about it because, like, oftentimes the understudies like are fucking amazing, like on mm-hmm. Broadway. It's true. So, yeah. like, sometimes, like, I remember we saw, um, uh, I mean, she was eventually going into it, but we saw, um, I'm about to say Thoroughly Modern Millie, but that's not it. Oh, Anything Goes. And it was supposed to be with Sutton Foster, but Sutton was out and um, Stephanie J. Block was in. And I was like, oh, my uh, God. Like, and I love Stephanie J. Block. So, you know, it's like you kind of have to be like you never you, you just you just never know. I, know, I think the only hard. other close experience where I was like not pleased was we had tickets for 
John Cameron Mitchell and Hedvig and we showed up at the theater and like because I think they were doing like two shows a night or something on the weekends and like he it's it was we were the performance after the performance where he had hurt his knee like so I think he had done like an earlier show like that day and hurt his knee and people were like I was like actually like okay whatever I'll find another night to see him which I did but people like the people audience members were like freaking out at like box office because I mean you know people had like flown from like Europe to see the show and stuff to see him in it and everything but yeah once again live theater what are you gonna do live theater I know I took Dawn oh yeah go ahead oh sorry I was gonna ask you if you have any other um thoughts about once no I just uh I think I think that's pretty much it for me so we all agree on this one. I know yeah. we did agree. Wait, I have one last question. All... Did you cry? Oh. Did oh, you yeah. cry? Okay. Oh yeah. Did For you sure. ugly? Did you ugly cry? Uh, <laughs> or did I'm you? Sure. <laughs> I'm I sure. did. I remember like John holding, did. I remember John did. I, I think I remember. <laughs> you remember you saying that he had an ugly cry. I remember like holding back an ugly cry at the end. But... <laughs> yep. Definitely. Uh, that should have been their right. marketing. Once it will make you ugly cry, ugly cry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are going to break. This is the end of our first uh, episode with our special creation and collaboration guest, Don Magyar. We're going to come back and have a second episode where we'll continue to hear about um, Don's uh, many career highlights as well as how we worked together. We haven't even talked about that yet. And um, and also we're going to then hear from Dawn about a musical that she hates. Which I cannot so wait to please, find out. Please just press next on your No Hope podcast app and you can listen in just a moment. Toodles. Bye. There is-